the way you find the accountant, the way you find the lawyer is find out who your friends are using and who they trust. Mm. And you just never know where that connection is going to come. And make sure you have good friends. Welcome to Biz Build Podcast, presented to you by the good folks here at Diamondback Tool Company. I'm the host of the show, Damani, head of sales and media for Diamondback Tool Belts. Follow me at Diamondback underscore Damani, that's D-A-M-A-N-I on Instagram. I'm here, as I will be on every episode, with Connor Crook, CEO of Diamondback Tool Belts. Follow him on Instagram at diamondback.toolbelts. The purpose of BizBuild is to provide listeners an inside track on what it takes to build a business. It is our hope that you can learn from our successes and pitfalls and siphon knowledge from our various expertise so that you can get an edge in the business of building something great. We're here to talk about the business of building, and today we want to talk about that initial moment when you go from doing what you do to turning that into a business entity. Connor set up a page full of notes of things that we should talk about in this podcast. And the first item is called hanging a shingle. Just like you, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Would you mind elaborating on that a little bit? Sure. Um, my background before buying Diamondback was I was an attorney. And the phrase in the legal profession of starting your own practice is to hang a shingle because traditionally maybe you see around the courthouse there are these little black signs for lawyers. And so when you're going out on your own, you say, I'm going to go hang a shingle. Right. So That's how I found my first lawyer, like walking through a business district and I needed one for a case that I was involved in it. And I just was like, this person is a lawyer. I'm going to walk in this door and knock on it. Yeah. Probably lost that case. Um, yeah, I so. did. <laughs> <laughs> Don't choose your lawyer by the one who has the biggest ad in the newspaper or the, in the phone book. Anyway, yeah, starting your own business. Okay. Uh, so the idea is that <clears throat> when you hang this shingle, you're putting out, that's your first level of advertising, putting your name plate on a, on a wall. Is that what that is? That's pretty much it, yeah. All right, so let's just say I've been doing basic construction or general construction and contracting. I've been working for a larger company, mm-hmm. you know, for the better part of like 10 or 15 years. I feel like my level of talent or skill has uh, gotten up to my mentor mm-hmm. and I'm willing to, you know, set out on my own to try to start my own business. Right. Um, where do I start? Well, there are, a lot of, there are a number of things to think about when you're starting out and you decide to make that leap. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the first thing you need to do is build the right team. Um, and even if you're, you're saying, well, I don't need a team. I'm just going to work for myself. Well, you still need a team because, yeah, you might be doing the actual work of driving the nails or wiring the houses or whatever, but you're going to need a team. Um, you're going to need to talk to a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk we talk about legal stuff on this show, but we're not able to give real legal advice other than go talk to a lawyer. Um, and you're going to need to set up a business entity, and we, we talked about that in another show. Um, the other thing, you're probably going to need to find a good accountant. You're going to need to have someone who can keep your books because part of the setting up of your business is you don't want to get your business's money and your business and your money all tangled together. That can lead to some negative consequences. But you got to figure out what you want to do. Um, you know, are you going to, um, how are you going to figure out, how are you going to get 
customers. That's one of the big things. So uh, I had a situation in my backyard where I had a ton of trees <clears throat> that needed to be pruned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my next door neighbor also had trees that they needed pruned. Mm-hmm. They had hired a legit large company in town to send guys out to prune, prune the trees. They brought in the big truck that chips up all the wood and all, and all that stuff. And while they were there, my wife went over and said, hey, when you guys get off, can you come over to our yard and, and, and do it? Right. And they did, off the clock, uh, using the same equipment that belonged to the company that they work for, and they charged us uh, a lot less than the company would have charged us. It was just like some extra time that they spent doing it. The reason why I tell you this story is because the person who had, who had done that mm-hmm. had come over into our yard to do that had done that a number of times mm-hmm. and built relationships with other families in our neighborhood mm-hmm. just on his off time trimming their trees and had done that for so many years that he had these personal relationships with these families right. so that he was able to then go out and start his own tree pruning business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and as much as that may be ethical or unethical, <laughs> you and I both know within the world of tree pruning or ar- arbory or construction or plumbing, that that's something that happens a lot. Sure. Uh, people are essentially poaching customers from mm-hmm. larger companies that they work for. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you can get in a lot of legal trouble for doing? Uh, there are a lot of questions inside of that question. Um, <clears throat> if I work for a company and then I decide I'm going to use that company's materials to go out and or tools and go out and do my own work. Mm-hmm. That's a big no-no. Okay. Uh, I can get in a lot of trouble for that. Um, <laughs> aside from being fired immediately, there are other <laughs> issues that come there. Um, the other thing is, if you are the business owner, uh, you probably want to consider in an employment contract for your employee that they will not do that. Uh, that gives you, as the employer, a little more uh, leg to stand on and say, look, you can't go out and work for anybody that you have worked f- for this company for for six months or a year or whatever time it is. That's pretty standard contractual language in an, in an employment agreement. Um, but, you know, sure, it does happen. Um, as the person uh, doing the work, uh, you definitely need to be concerned about the ethics uh, relationship you have with your employer. Um, there are obviously there are insurance issues for things like uh, trimming trees and other things that you want to be. Yeah, if he would have cut off his hand in the wood shepherd doing my yard, he wouldn't have been covered. He wouldn't have been covered by his workers' comp, and there'd been an issue of whether or not he's going to come after your homeowner's insurance policy um, <clears throat> because he obviously was not insured on his own work. So there are a lot of legal issues that come in that sort of thing. So as the person hiring the unethical worker, I could find myself. And some serious liability issues there. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that. I think I thought about it, but I didn't realize how large it could possibly be. Right. No, no. The, the, the better means, if, if you are saying, I'm going to go out on my own, um, certainly uh, you, you may want to have a conversation with your current employer and say, I'm going out on my own. Um, you know, I've got relationships with these people. That at least is putting it out there in the open. Uh, what's often going to happen, though, is if I start my own business, the main source of a lot of my income may be my former employer. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there may just be a shift to where I'm now having my own company, therefore I have my own liability insurance, my own license and all of this sort of stuff. Um, and then I get paid as a 1099 as, as opposed to a W-2, which means I'm paid as an independent contractor rather than an employee. And that can, that can benefit both parties. And then it might be the, the t- thing, type of thing where my former employer says, look, man, I'll give you a little bit of work to start off. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll throw some stuff your way when I'm, when I'm too jammed up, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually one of the ways I started off practicing law was I went to work uh, in a relationship with another lawyer uh, who I met. He said, hey, I'll rent you an office space and you can help me out with some of my cases. I'll pay you by the hour. If somebody comes in the door and it's not really my thing, maybe I can pass it off to you and then you can go build your own business as well. Well, and that kind of was my start to get going. So we're, look, so we're sort of looking at setting up a referral system mm-hmm. and using your former, you know, in an ethical situation, using your former employer as your referral source to get new work. Sure. Uh, especially if you're working for an accomplished former employer that's yeah. probably getting a lot more work than they can actually do. If they're good, they are. So if I, I'm going from general contracting. Maybe I'm working for this former employer and, you know, Let's just say, for instance, maybe I'm specializing in doing, uh, you know, home remodeling after, I don't know, water damage or something like that. Uh, But once I then start my own sort of business entity and I'm getting these referrals, I'm going to start getting referrals for things that are are maybe outside of my specialized Mm -hmm. wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, How how do I handle that? Well, that's a a, a great question, too, because... When you start your own business, you're going to say, this is what I do. This is what I do best. Mm -hmm. And you need to stick to that unless you're doing it for the right reasons. So, Because I'm worried. I don't want to turn work away. I'm in business. You don't want to turn work away. But what you have to realize is if you start off saying, I'm going to do residential electrical work, Mm -hmm. and somebody comes to you and says, hey, can you help me out with this plumbing gig? Or can you take this? You may have some experience. If you've been doing generalist work, you might have some experience. And you say, sure, I can do that. Well, a couple things are going to happen there. One, they're going to take your eye off the ball of what you're good at. Um, And you may lose a better gig coming through what you're really good at. Um, I'm over here doing this plumbing job. Yeah. This other remodeling job comes I got this perfect thing for you, and I'm tied up doing this other thing. Right. The other thing you have to realize is, it's best to focus on something so that you can say, I'm really good at that. Um, you know, this is what my expertise is. When you reach the point where you decide, hey, I need to branch out. I, need, I, want, to, I want to try something different. That's fine if you understand you're not going to make any money at it. You know, if, I, if my job is doing painting and somebody asks me to do tile work, I may be able to do it. But you know what? I'm going to order the wrong amount of tile. I'm going to order the wrong amount of grout. I'm going to do it so badly the first time I have to tear it out one, maybe two times. It's going to take me forever. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be left with extra materials and extra trips. There it's, goes your profit. There goes your profit. It is an educational experience. Right, right. If you If you go into learning something new, learning, and you say, okay, I'm not real busy right now with my work. I got some time. I'm going to learn a new skill. It's fine. Know that you're going to lose money the first time. You're going to lose money the second time. By the third time, you might break even. And then by the fourth time, you can start to say, okay, I kind of got this down. And there's also the risk of possibly damaging your reputation. 
You're tuned in to the Biz Build Podcast. I'm Damani. And I'm Connor Crook. It's certainly the risk of damaging your reputation. Um, you don't want to yeah, hire this guy to do tile work, and he was terrible. What was his name? Right, and even though <clears throat> tile is not your thing, because I'm thinking to myself, you know, if somebody tells me they hired somebody to do X, you know, X work, tile work, and they say it, that wasn't a good job, it doesn't matter that it was just tile. If I need, you know, a new staircase or something like that, I remember him as the person who messed up the tile. You're right. And so I'm not going to call them again. So that's a that's a huge risk to take there. So I'm in the so I'm I'm, re, I'm branching out on my own. Mm-hmm. I specialize in some aspect of building or construction or yep. whatever business that mm-hmm. is that I'm doing. Um, but there's also in any given town, city, state, a hundred other people that do the same thing that I do. Probably. What What makes me different? Well, that's the question you have to ask yourself. What makes you different? Um, you know, there, there are a lot of ways to distinguish yourself. And of course, in advertising, you can try to say that you're the low budget person, you're the low cost person. Obviously, here at Diamondback, that's not really our, our avenue is to go around saying we're the low, low cost version. Uh, you've got to decide for yourself where you want to be in the chain of cost uh, versus service. And then, of course, you, you've got to get your name out there. Um, <clears throat> you can be a low-cost contractor or a low-cost you know, anything that you want to be. Um, and there are ways to make money and be successful at that. You can be the most expensive out there, and there are ways to make money and be successful at that. And you can be in the middle. Um, actually, we want to talk about that in great detail later about you know high-end versus low-cost work and, and how that breaks down in the different ways to make money in those different markets. But you've got to decide what you are. Um, and, and of course, if you're going to cost, if you're going to be the most expensive, you've got to understand that means you're going to deal with a lot of aggravating customers because they're going to want it done. High maintenance. High maintenance customers. They're going to want it done exactly right. Because they're spending a whole lot of money. I'd be the same way. But if you have the personality that you can work with those folks, Mm -hmm. great. If you, on the other hand, are like, you know what? I want to have one customer. I want to have this big property maintenance organization hire me to do all of their X. Mm -hmm. And you're going to expect they're going to give you a ton of work, but you're not going to be able to bill as much for it. But... It's going to be consistent. It's going to be consistent. You've only got one customer, and it's going to be some property maintenance guy who's you might get along with differently than someone who's living in a luxury home. But Mm -hmm. you got to choose where you want to be in there and figure out where your niche is. And then after that, you got to figure out how to then go and get the customers that you've decided you want to really focus on. So the first thing is, who who are you? What are you doing? You know what what is your specialty? Then. Who is my customer going to be? And then how do I go out and get that customer? And I feel like in in any of those realms, whether it's high end or low cost, there's something that you really need to take into account. And that is how you're going to charge the customer and understanding what the customer is paying for and what you're charging. So there's the materials that you're using. Mm -hmm. There's the, the time or the labor that you spent doing it. Are there other things that we're missing that need to be included into the cost that you're charging the customer? Uh, 
Obviously, you need you know time and materials. Um, and and when you talking about time, you need to assume okay, what's a reasonable rate for my kind of work? You know, my my former employer was billing me out at twenty dollars an hour or whatever it is. Well, you're working for yourself now. You're not worth twenty dollars anymore. Because you're going to have to pay for all of your overhead, whether that's you're going to have to pay for your truck, you're going to have to pay for your insurance, you're going to have to pay for the time that you spend on Friday nights making up all the reports that, and, and mm-hmm. doing all the billing. You've got to now add in all that overhead. Plus, one of the big things you need to think about is if you are an independent contractor, the way income taxes work, making $60,000 a year as an employee versus $60,000 as a, an independent contractor is a totally different thing. These are not like animals at all because you're now paying your own half of the payroll taxes. Hmm. You got to make you, so that's another like, you know, seven, eight percent of that you got to figure in. I got to make that much more to be in the same position. So thinking about it like this, <clears throat> when you were an employee, your employer might have been paying you $20 an hour, mm-hmm. but that employer was charging the customer $40 an hour. Sure, because that employer was having to cover all that overhead of your payroll taxes, your insurances, and and everything else. You've now got to figure out all of that for yourself so that if you're working the same amount, you're making the same or more than you were before. Right, and I feel like that's a, a, that's a mistake that's oftentimes made when people go out. They say, oh, I was doing this work for $20 an hour. I'm going to go into business for myself, and I'm going to be the low-cost guy, and I'm going to charge $20 an hour. And they realize in six months to a year, they can't survive off of that money anymore. Yep. yep. That could be a pretty scary place to be. Right. But let's go back to the first thing you asked me. And I said, you know, you need to talk to a lawyer. You need to talk to an accountant. Talk to your accountant. Say, hey, this is, I need to, how am I going to make the same, if I want to work about the same amount and make a little, make a little bit more than I was before, help me out here. And, okay, so talking about an accountant, I've got trust issues. Right. They go deep to when I was a child and maybe we can do a podcast on that. Um. I've especially got trust issues when it comes to my money. I don't want to open up a phone book or there aren't phone books anymore. I don't want to type in Google accountants in my region and then just start. How do I know if an accountant is good? How do I know if this accountant is being honest with my money and providing me the best possible services? Well, you know, that's a that's a big person because that person is going to be in your life. You're going to be enmeshed. Yes. Yes. From the for the life of your business. Um, you know, it's one of those things, you all, everybody makes mistakes. We all make mistakes. When, when we do make a mistake in something like that, we got to figure out how to get out of that relationship and change that relationship as quickly as possible. But you sound like you had a little bit of personal experience. Yeah, I've had that. some experience with, with consultants that didn't work out well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this goes back to something else that, you know, we'll have a show on, which is all about your network and your network. People have this horrible thing. idea of networking is that I'm going to this, luncheon where I'm put down at a chair at a table with four people I don't know. And it's like speed dating or something. Yeah, yeah. It, don't think about it that way. Networking is just anytime you're talking to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, I had a guy walk in the shop yesterday who I had not seen in 20 years. He didn't even recognize me when it came. We didn't recognize each other at first. It was like, Oh, I know you. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that he's now working for a large local uh, construction company. And we may be able to do some work together. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought it? The guy who loaned me the money to start this, to buy Diamondback, I'd met him at a, at a guy's dinner at a buddy's house 
when I was having a bad day, my buddy's like, dude, you got to come over here. I got a couple of guys you need to hang out with and, and have dinner with us. Mm -hmm. You never know. Mm -hmm. The way you find the accountant, the way you find the lawyer is find out who your friends are using and who they trust. Mm -hmm. And you just never know where that connection is going to come. And make sure you have good friends. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to a couple. <clears throat> So after you found your accountant and your lawyer, and hopefully there are people that you can trust, and you sort of figured out your plan moving forward, mm -hmm. how much I'm going to charge, what I'm specializing in, um, things seem to be on solid ground. Mm -hmm. Now I've, I've got to get the word out there. Tune into the next episode of the Biz Build podcast for part two of this conversation. You won't want to miss it. You've just been listening to the Biz Build podcast. I'm your host, Damani. Follow me on Instagram at Diamondback underscore Damani. That's D-A-M-A-N-I. Or follow Connor on Instagram at Diamondback.toolbelts. You can also find more about Diamondback by visiting our YouTube page or Facebook page. Hope you enjoyed what you heard here today, and we look forward to you joining us again on our next episodes. Take care. Don't forget to like and subscribe. 